Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au How's everybody doing today? Good. It's great to have you in church. It's great to be able to worship together and also to be able to go to the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Let's read verse 18. Uh, the Bible says this. It's Paul speaking to the church in Rome. I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy, are worth comparing with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Go to verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And then go down to verse 31. What shall we, then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? So Lord, we just thank you for your word. And we thank you that every time that we open up your word, your word encourages us and it speaks to us, Lord God. And that's our prayer today, Lord God, that you would speak a word into our hearts even today, Lord God. That this word would not just be more information, but that it would become a revelation that actually changes how we live our lives, Lord God. So come by your Spirit, I pray. Let there be nothing in me that hinders this word. Forgive me of my sins, Lord God. And Father, just minister to each and every one of us today, Lord God. Bind every spirit of fear and, and intimidation, Lord God. Just let there be freedom in this place to speak and to receive your word, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, what a time we're living in. Uh, just when you think things can't get any worse, um, then uh, things change again. Obviously, pandemics, and there just seems to be another wave kind of going through, you know, our city and also our nation. Of course, the floods up north, and um, last last week, an earthquake, for goodness sake, an earthquake, would you believe, here in Adelaide. Um, wars and rumours of wars, um, and, you know, no one really knows what's going to happen with some of this stuff that's happening uh, in Russia and the Ukraine, and, and the list goes on and on. It's interesting because as Christians, none of these things should surprise us. I mean, we know what is to come, don't we? As Christians, we know what's going to happen. The Bible speaks about the signs of the end times. We read about it. We know about it. We've heard sermons about it. Uh, and yet, when, we, when, when these things actually do happen, uh, we're kind of shocked and terrified by what's going on. The Bible speaks about wars and rumors of wars, which means these things are actually going to happen. And when we see them happen, we kind of get a bit nervous. We need to remind ourselves that no matter how bad things are in our lives, even today, even in terms of what we're experiencing around the world today, um, the early Christians had it a lot worse than we do. You know, they were being persecuted for their faith, they were under Roman occupation. Many were being martyred for their faith. I mean, we get the privilege of coming to church like this. A lot of them were actually being persecuted and martyred because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And some of these Christians were 
living in Rome and Paul's in a prison and he, and, he, and he writes a letter to them and hence we get the letter to the Romans. And in the midst of this letter is Romans chapter 8, one of the great chapters in the Bible. If you read the chapter, you're going to find words like suffering and frustration and groaning and weakness and trouble and hardship and Paul is using these words to describe the believers in Rome. He's using these words to encourage them. And Paul could easily have been writing this letter to us today in terms of what we're experiencing and what we're going through even as a world. But the question for us is, you know, how do we run this Christian race in a time when we're feeling tired, stressed, overwhelmed and anxious about the future? I mean, I don't know about you, but kind of, I'm, you, know, um, you know, I've been on my own. The only thing I've had is a, is a screen. I've been watching this whole situation, you know, transpire in Russia and Ukraine and so on. And, and I'm just watching this and thinking, well, well, anything could happen, you know? I mean, anything could happen. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's crazy. And, 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 you know, we don't know what's going to happen in a, in, a, in a month or two's time. And it's into this kind of situation that Paul writes to the church in Rome. And in particular, in Romans chapter 8, he gives the church four specific encouragements, four encouragements that I pray are going to actually help all of us as we face our own suffering, our own uncertainty, our own questions, as we face our own situations that we're in right now uh, as a nation, globally, but also individually, because there are some of you couldn't care less about what's happening in other parts of the world. Not that you don't care, but, but in relation to what you're going through in your own personal life, that pales into insignificance. And I just pray that the words that Paul used to encourage the church in Rome are the very words that Paul is going to use to encourage you and me here today. I pray that, that God is going to give us a perspective to help us navigate even the season that we're going through right now. Well, one of the first of the encouragements uh, comes from um, uh, verse 18, uh, which is a focus of the future glory. Paul says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that shall be revealed in us. One of the ways that Paul encourages those early believers, listen carefully, is to get them to shift their focus from the current suffering to future glory. He reminds them to fix their eyes on eternity. And we need to understand uh, that all of human suffering in the world is linked to two people, one, one to Adam and the other to Christ, that through Adam, because sin entered the world through him. Romans says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. The sins of greed and pride and pleasure, some of the issues that we're facing in the world today, they stem back to sin, which entered into the world through Adam. All the problems of the world can be linked to one of these three sins, you know, the, the power and the pride and, and pleasure and greed. And our suffering also comes because of Christ. Paul says to Timothy, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ shall be persecuted all over the world. People are suffering because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we may not be persecuted for our faith in this amazing nation of Australia. But, but you know, in a sense, many times, even when we stand up for truth, 
there's a pushback against some of the ideas that, 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 that we hold to in relation to Scripture and so on. So there's a level of persecution even that we are experiencing, where even now and today, you know, you're reluctant to say certain things that you actually believe to be true about the Word of God. Paul is speaking to a people that are being persecuted for their linkage to Adam and also for their linkage to Christ. And he says, listen, that's not going away while we're here on earth that we will experience this kind of hardship while we are here on earth. But one day in glory, come on church, one day in glory, we will no longer experience this kind of suffering. He reminds them of the promise of heaven. What helps them get through this hardship that they were experiencing was, was the promise of heaven, the promise of future glory. Revelation 21 and 22, John speaks of the coming glory and he, he lists Seven things that will be no more. The sea, death, crying, mourning, pain, curse, night, and COVID. They're all listed there in Revelation 21 and 22. And what's surprising is the first thing that's on that list is the sea. And that kind of may seem a bit unusual, but for John, it was not unusual because he was exiled on the, <coughs> on the Isle of Patmos. And between Patmos and the mainland is the ocean. And John is missing the people that he loves and God assures him that one day the sea will be no more and, and, and that he would be able to be reconnected with those that were with him and that, you know, other believers. The coming glory is not here on earth. The coming glory is for heaven and in the world to come. And as Christians, what encourages us, what gives us hope, what helps us navigate the hardships that we're experiencing, be they individual or be they global, is the, the hope of eternal glory. Paul says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Maybe some of the natural disasters we're seeing, earthquakes, fires and floods, are the earth groaning in eager expectation of the coming of the Lord. Not only does nature groan, but so do we. Verse 23 says, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to, to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. All of us know and feel that, you know what, this is, this is, this is okay. And this is, but, you know, we're looking forward to the day when we shall be with the Lord, the future glory that we have in Jesus Christ our Lord. Can I hear an amen? Paul reminds the Philippians, but our citizenship is in heaven as we eagerly await a saviour from here, the Lord Jesus Christ. We should never get too comfortable here on earth because we're not of this world. No matter what citizenships we have, Australia or overseas or whatever, irrespective of that, we are citizens of heaven as we eagerly await that day when we shall be in glory. In Christendom, we've almost neglected the doctrine of heaven. Because here in Australia, we don't really need it, do we? I mean, come on. Especially here in Adelaide, we're, we're doing amazing. Uh, why do we need to go to heaven when we can live in this amazing nation, in this amazing city that we have? C.S. Lewis said, hope means a continual looking forward to the next world. It doesn't mean that we have to leave the present world as it is. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most or the present um, thought most of the next. It is since Christians have, have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this world. Aim at heaven and you will get earth. Throw in 
thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. What helps us in difficult times is the hope that we have of a future glory in the name of Jesus. In the name that no matter what pain you're experiencing right now, there's a day when we will no longer experience it, experience that kind of pain. The challenges and the difficulties and the struggles and the, and the, and the fights that we have in our own minds and in our own hearts. The, the, the hope that we have is that one day we will no longer experience those things. The hope of future glory. And you know, we need, we need to talk about that and we need to think about that because so many of us are looking for, for, for heaven here on earth and, in the, and there's a sense where we can experience that, but there's another sense where we will never experience that. And look at what's happening in the world right now. It's a reminder of the fact that we live in a world filled with sin. Second encouragement to come from this chapter is that the Holy Spirit is helping us. Throughout um, chapter 8, Paul uses the word know. In verse 22, he says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning. Verse 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good for those who love him. But in verse 26, he says, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. What's interesting here is what Paul is saying. He says, we know, we know, but when it comes to prayer, he says, well, we don't know how we ought to pray. And what Paul was saying here is, it's not so much that he didn't know how to pray. I mean, I think if there's someone who knew something about prayer, it was the Apostle Paul. But there are times in our lives when we go through situations, sufferings, perplexities, when we don't know how to pray. I don't know how I should pray about this situation I'm going through right now. I don't know what I should be asking for in this situation that I'm going through right now. There are times in our life where we don't know how we ought to pray. It's in those times that the Holy Spirit prays through us with wordless groans. How powerful is that? Come on, church. When we feel so overwhelmed emotionally and have no idea what to do, it's in those times that the Holy Spirit takes over. It's those times where the Holy Spirit helps us pray, even with groans that words cannot express. How powerful is that? Sometimes you're in such a deep situation, such a difficult situation, such a complex situation. You don't even know what words, and it's as if there are groans that are coming out of, out, out of our hearts and out of our mind that express exactly how we're feeling. It's in those times the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. The Holy Spirit, who is God, helps us to pray in those difficult situations. Verse 27 says, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Now, this, this, to me, this verse could easily be applied to praying with a heavenly language. The Holy Spirit gives us a prayer language that helps us to pray even when we don't know how to pray. It's the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues and praying in tongues. It's as we're praying, it's the Holy Spirit praying through us and, and the Holy Spirit is helping us pray according to the will of God. We need to know that we always have two people interceding for us. The Holy Spirit who intercedes in our hearts. The Bible just told us that. It's the Holy Spirit who's interceding through us and we also need to know that Christ is also interceding for us. Hebrews says this, 7.25, Therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Christ is interceding for you and me. I mean, if we could get a picture of that, I think our lives would be lived differently. 
I think if we could get a picture of Jesus, you know, praying and on his prayer list is you and me. And he's praying about our situations and he's praying about what we're going through. If we could get a picture of Jesus praying, I know that our lives would be lived differently. And we need to get a revelation of that. And it's the Holy Spirit praying through us and helping us in 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 our prayer. We always have divine intercessors praying for us. The Spirit intercedes for us according to the will of God. You know, the Bible says, I was just listening to some material yesterday on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and you know, the Bible, the Bible says, he who speaks in a tongue builds himself up in his most holy faith. It's just something very powerful about praying in the Spirit, about praying in the heavenly language that God has given us. I mean, it's a powerful gift that we ought to, that we ought to seek after and, and, and also exercise in our lives because it helps us to be able to confront and deal with those difficult times in our lives. Hudson Taylor said this, it doesn't matter how great the pressure is, what really matters is where the pressure lies, whether it, be, whether it comes between you and God or whether it presses you nearer to the heart of God. What is, the, what is the pressure doing? Is it coming between us and God or is it pressing us nearer to the heart of God? What helps us in difficult times is a knowing that the Holy Spirit is interceding in us and through us. When we're going through difficult times, what we don't need is some simple cliches, one-liners or a theological explanation. What we don't need when we're going through a difficult time is, uh, you know, hey, I've got a four, point, four points that can come out of Romans chapter 8 for you, A, B, C, D. What we need in those times is love and grace and empathy and encouragement from the body of Christ to help us get through the challenge. But even as that happens, the Holy Spirit brings to mind certain truths that begin to lift us even in those difficult moments. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but it's happened to me many, many times. I'm in a difficult situation trying to work it out in my head and thinking left or right, what do I do? And I just feel like I'm, I'm sinking deeper and deeper. And then, and then just something begins to come. I, I, don't, I didn't even know how to explain it. Something just begins to rise within me. Worship sometimes. I just begin to worship God. Lord, I just thank you. That you're, and, I'm, and I think it to myself, where did that come from? It certainly didn't come from me. Where did, where did that come from? It's the Holy Spirit that is God, and brings to mind certain truths that enable us to confront whatever situation we're facing in our lives. What kind of truths do they look like? One of those truths is we have a hope of future glory in the name of Jesus. That one, one day things are going to be different. One day there is going to be no more death. One day we will be reunited with all of those that have gone before us. One day things will be different in glory. We need, we need to understand that's not just pie in the sky thinking. That's a reality and a truth. And that the Holy Spirit is interceding for us and helping us to pray. Third encouragement can come from this chapter is that God is working for good. We know this verse. Most of us, if you've been in church, you will, uh, you will know this verse off by heart. And we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. The verse doesn't say all things are good. He says we know that God is working all things for the good, that God is able to Work good in every situation that we are going through. You know the words of 
Joseph, to his brothers, you meant for harm. But God has meant this for good, the saving of many lives. Um, and notice that Paul says, we know, he doesn't say we feel, and we, and we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who, we know it. There's a knowing in our hearts. There's a revelation in our spirit that says, I know that this situation just, I just don't understand it. It makes no sense to me. But I know deep in my spirit that God is sovereign, that God is in control, that God is above the circumstances. And I know that somehow in all of this, God can actually use it for good, for the, for the fulfilling of His purposes. Our feelings at times can betray us. And if we live our life by our feelings instead of our knowing, we can be in trouble. God is always working good out of bad. He's always working good out of bad. To take our darkest moments and turn them into something redemptive. Notice Paul says all things work for good, not some. Not a few. Pastor Joe, I understand what you're saying. I know the scripture, I memorized it. I've heard many sermons on that, but you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand how dark and, 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 and terrible my situation actually is because I, don't know, I, don't, I cannot see how, how, how God could work anything good out of this. And I understand that. And I, and, I, and I would probably come alongside of you and agree with you and say, I'm with you on this one here. But listen, God's word is truth. Can I hear an amen? God, God's word is truth. There's a promise in there for you and me. There's a promise in there. We need, to, we need to take out. We need to start to confess. We need to believe it in the name of Jesus. And we know that in all things. And we know. I know without a shadow of a doubt. I don't care what the devil is saying. I don't care what my mind is saying, what my emotions are feeling. I know without a shadow of a doubt that God is going to do something with this situation. I don't know when. I don't know how. I don't know what it's going to look like. But I know that God is working good even in this situation. And we need to confess that in Jesus' name. I don't understand what's going in, going on all around the world right now. I got no clue. I, I got no clue. I, I mean, I feel like, you know, doing something myself, you know. Just kidding. I, I, I feel like kind of doing something. But, but, and I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to my human mind. But, but we know that in all things, God is working for the good. For those who love him. Corrie ten Boom wrote a poem called, Life is but a weaving. My life is but a weaving between my God and me. I cannot choose the colors he weaveth steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride, forget he sees the upper, and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly. Will God unroll the canvas and reveal the reason why? The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. He knows, he loves, he cares. Nothing this truth can dim. He gives the very best to those who leave the choice to him. God is weaving something wonderful out of our lives, even if we can't see it. It's a truth. It's an anchor we hold on to in those times of difficulty and saying, God, I'm just going to hang on to this truth as an anchor that's going to help me navigate this situation. In 1915, in a farming town in the USA called Enterprise, generally farmed cotton. And in 1915, they had a boll weevil plague, which is a pest um, that destroyed their cotton fields. 
1916, they replanted the cotton, only to find that the boll weevil destroyed their crop that year again. So in 1917, they decided to diversify and started to plant other crops like uh, peanuts. And by 1919, they were earning more money than they were when they were just farming cotton. So they did this unusual thing. They created a monument in the middle of the town to this boll weevil. And so there's this lady holding up this pest uh, there. And at the base of the plaque is in profound appreciation of the boll weevil and what it has done as the herald of prosperity. This monument was erected by the citizens of Enterprise, Alabama. We may not always understand what we're going through. We may not always understand why or what the significance of this is. Often people say, but if I understood why, it would kind of help me to get through it. I would, I would, we, we don't always understand why. And Paul reminds the church in, 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 in Roman, he says, but I know that God can do something good through this situation. I know that God can, can work something in this situation for his good. Never underestimate what God is doing. The fourth encouragement uh, from this chapter is um, that we know that God is for us. That we know that God is for us. Verse 31 says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one, Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, he was, who was raised to life. It is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Verse 35, and who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Paul is asking this question to the church. He's saying, and who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Paul then goes on to mention seven adversities that could separate us from the love of God. Trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. Paul says, can any of these things separate us from the love of God? And the answer is, it's a rhetorical question. No, none of these things can separate us from the love of God. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved. No, but in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul goes on to list six polarities that cannot separate us from the love of God. For I'm, just in case you haven't got it yet, just in case you're still wondering that maybe this could separate me from the love of God. Paul then goes on to say, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation shall separate us from God's love. There may be times in our life when we feel like everything's against us. It's in those times that we need to remember that there's always one person that is for us and his name is Jesus. And there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing can separate us from the love. Nothing. Can, the only person that can separate us from the love of Christ is you. You making a conscious decision to say, I'm going to reject Christ. That's the only thing that can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing else can. Pastor Joe, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know the things that have happened to me, Pastor Joe. You don't understand. You don't understand. You don't understand. I understand that, but God's word says none of those things can separate us from the love of Christ, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. 
Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us. From, and Paul goes on, hardship, trouble, demons, angels, nothing, 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 nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we, and we can understand we're going through a hardship. Makes no sense to me. I've got no idea what's going on. But one thing we can declare, I know that I'm loved by God. I know that God loves me. I know that God is with me and that God is for me in the name of Jesus. Paul goes on to say, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The words we are more than conquerors is one word in the Greek language. It's the word hypernikio, something like that. It's made up of two words, hyper, from which we get words like hypersensitive, hyper, it's an exaggeration. And then there's the other word, Nike, which you may know, you may have heard sometime. And Nike means to win or to conquer. That's what it means. So this is hyper Nike or something like that. A winner that doesn't just get over the line. We are hyper winners. We are hyper conquerors. So Paul is reminding the group of people that God is for us, that God is with us. Nothing's going to be able to separate us from the love of God. And we are hyper winners. We are more than conquerors. We're not just conquer. We more than conquer by the grace of God and for the glory of God. That was true for the church in Rome. And this is true for you and me. Ruth Cow can paraphrase this passage. And this is what she said. God, I may fall flat on my face. I may fail until I feel old and beaten and done in. Yet your love for me is changeless. Although music may go out of my life, my private world may shatter to dust. Even so, you will hold me in the palm of your steady hand. No turn in the affairs of my fractured life can baffle you. Satan with all his schemes cannot distract you. Nothing can separate me from your measureless love. Pain can't dis disappointment can't, anguish can't, yesterday, today, tomorrow can't, the loss of my dearest love can't, death can't, life can't, riots, wars, insanity, hunger, neurosis, disease, none of these things, nor all of them heaped together can budge the fact that I'm dearly loved, completely forgiven and forever free through Jesus Christ, your beloved son. A bit of Bible study today, is that okay? We're, gonna, we're doing some Bible study through Romans chapter 8. We're reminded of some powerful truths about who we are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We are living in some interesting times and world filled with suffering and uncertainty and questions and fear and who knows what's going to happen next. For some people, it's not so much what's happening in the world, what's happening in your own life. And, and if, if that's you today, I, I just pray that this, that this word from Romans 8 would be an anchor in our heart. It's a reminder. It's a reminder of who we are in Christ Jesus. It's, it's, it's looking at the Word of God and being reminded of who we are in Christ Jesus. And I pray that you would know deep down in your heart that we would know that there is a future glory coming in the name of Jesus, that we're not of this world. Enjoy what God has given you. Enjoy the blessings of God. Enjoy everything you have. But ultimately, we're not citizens of this world. We're citizens of another world. And that one day, we're going to be taken from this place in glory in the name of Jesus. And we will be with the King of kings and the Lord of lords forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And there shall be no more suffering. 
and, and no, no more difficulties and challenges and cholesterol and high blood pressure. Eat as much as you want, whenever you want, however you want. We should always have our mind. We feet firmly planted on the earth, but our, oil, our eyes always looking towards heaven. Number two, we need to remember that the Holy Spirit helps us pray when we can't. Oh, Holy Spirit, just help me to pray. You know, when, when, when sometimes when I go to prayer and I, I say, you know, I, I, I say, Lord, you know, your word says that he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to man, speaks to God. Behold, he speaks mysteries. Lord, help me to pray. Help me to pray. It's the Holy Spirit that's helping us to pray. To be able to ask for things we don't even know what to ask for. The Holy Spirit helps us. That God is working all things for the good. And some of us need to confess that by faith. And we need to say, Lord, I, don't, I can't see any good in this at all. And that's okay to say that. And say, but just bring it into the presence of God. But Lord, I, I just confess your word that says, I know that all things are working together for the good. And that somehow, in some way, this situation is going to bring glory and honor to you and that nothing 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 can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord God loves you he cares about you he thinks the world of you and there is absolutely nothing 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 not a single thing no sin no no condemnation no shame no no difficulties or challenges that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord and I just pray that God's word would encourage all of us today by his grace and for his glory. Can I hear an amen? Why don't we stand together and ask the team to just lead us in worship. And uh, we're just going to sing. Uh, and just let's just honor God. Let's worship God. Let's, let's use this as a time just to connect with God. Thank you.